1: If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
2: We talk about food. We talk about
3: music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tune.
4: Just follow you home, cause it's all that I know how to do. I was born by a body, I'll die by one, too. In places and nothing, you stay. Devotion of honesty brought me to life When I thought I was gone But I can't put a light in the mouth of a song
5: Welcome to Snacky Tunes. Happy New Year. I think this is it, right? This is the last day where you have to say Happy New Year to people.
6: Yep. And If you don't do it now, you got to wait till next year.
5: Right. This is it. We're, this is the last day. Everyone you talk to, every email, is, this is it. Um, that was just Adrienne Lenker with Steamboat uh, off her album Hours Were the Birds. Hi. How are you?
7: Hello. I'm good. Happy New Year. Oh, thank you. You know, this is the last day that you can say that.
5: I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard that. Uh, Adrian will be performing later in the show. But first up, we have Jeff Bailey. Hello. A.K.A. Jeff Glasshouse. <laughs> uh, from the amazing, amazing Whirly Bird. So good. It's right around the corner from me. But even if it wasn't, I think I checked out the very first day. When you opened, did you? Yeah, because I used to live in Austin and I go all the time, and you can't ever get breakfast tacos.
0: I got
6: re- yeah, I was I was excited for myself too. I thought we could that I didn't have to go to Texas to get it.
5: Um, so let's uh, let's step back a little bit because before you got into food,
6: you had a music career. I did. I Co- I, I used to I used to I used to be somebody. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I never was anybody. I was a bass player, which is a uh, that's which is you know the opposite of somebody. The uh, <laughs>
5: And what was the name of your
0: band?
6: Uh, or I, bands? Well, I play, I played, I've played. I i played in a lot of bands. Most recently, I spent about seven years as the bass player uh, in a band called Phosphorescent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did, yeah, I did spend a long time touring and playing on the last three couple records for uh, uh, the man Matthew House music. And uh, yeah, so I was doing that. I uh, was working on another project with members of that band called Virgin Forest, which is... Uh, a slightly different kind of style of music and, uh, you know, slowly slowly writing my own music and playing, I don't know, just, I just basically played with whoever asked me to play. And I, uh, you know, I've been playing bass since I was 15 and, uh, you know, a lot of people need a bass player. So I did that for a long time.
5: Is, uh, I feel like the rhythm section, like the bass and the drums, guys who focus mainly on that playing a lot of bands... Because they're not the singer-songwriter mentality of trying to do their own thing all the time.
6: I I I just I always approach like I wasn't ne- like I was never a uh, I was never really like a, a guitarist who ended up playing bass because he you know I just I really enjoyed playing and finding that pocket and helping to make these songs sound really really you know better you know I, it just it just feels good to play music and i've just I've just been doing that for a long time important question how's your bass face oh god it's disgusting people it's it's amazing um, did you start off having a bass face or did it was it immediate or did it evolve uh, no it's been the same one it's been the same one the whole time i can't I can't even uh you can't attempt unless you're you it has to I have to be playing a bass I have to be in the middle of something real special. You know what I mean? I have to be, like, like I gotta be, you know, deep in that pocket, you know what I mean? <laughs> do you feel it like coming on, or do you... I don't even notice it. I don't even notice it. But if you, look, if you look at pictures, you will see it's the same one. It's like a, it's like a, it's a very, very subtle duck face. But it's, it's, it's a thing of beauty. I mean, not many people can resist it, you know what I mean? That's what people mostly talk about when they, you know, when they, when they, uh... Right, you know, when the, when the press writes about my soaring bass lines and stuff, you know? Never happened. Oh my god. <laughs> Jeff Bailey's soaring baseline are only matched by his
5: intense bass face.
6: I always dream I always dream I always, that was my that was my joke is that cuz like, you know, like bass playing never gets written about like in in bands and stuff like that. Nobody gives a shit. But uh uh consciously, but I always I my my joke was that like somebody would write about my soaring bass lines. But soaring. soar. <laughs> that's that's You would never say that. Nobody would ever say that.
5: So when did you start thinking that you were going to open up a restaurant?
6: I, uh... It, like, I actually, like... I kind of had the thought. And I... I, uh... I would would just be on tour constantly. And then I'd come back and I'd get bored between tours. And I'd just find a job bartending.
5: Any place of note?
6: Uh... I worked at Rafifi... Uh, I was working. Wow! At... <laughs>
5: Did you ever work Friday nights for Trash?
6: <laughs> yeah, that was my that was my that was my shift. I probably bought drinks from you. Awesome! Yeah, I, uh, I have some of my favorite. Just like it was, that was what a, What a... can you
5: regale us with one story from like the heyday of Trash or Fifi? Or for those who don't
6: know what it is, I just like. Well, I just remember like it was the same. It was this like every week. It was the same tight crew of people that used to just hang out there all the time, listening to Smiths, Morrissey, like mid-period placebo or whatever you know like and it was, it was fun you know like it seemed like those kids were having a really really good time my favorite was just like when like you'd all of a sudden middle middle of the night every friday you'd hear like a knocking on the door and somebody would have locked themselves in there just doing something whatever you know what i mean yeah and just like you know eventually they'd, they'd send me because i was not threatening but I could, you know, I, I had no qualms about telling somebody to get out of the bathroom, you know what I mean? So I, I would just, I knew how to Jimmy open the door, and i jimmy Jimmy open the door, and there's always just, like, some, like, balled-out, like, leaned, like, asymmetrical haircut dude with, like, white makeup, vampire style, like, just, like, being this, like, awkwardly fucked on the toilet by some some strange girl, and I just, you know, I'm just, I just wonder, like... Our joke was just, like, how many trash babies were born every year? You know what I mean? Oh, my God. How many trash babies? Uh, not enough? Not enough. I don't know. They're I wonder if
5: they're all named, like, Morrissey.
6: Uh, they're probably, Yeah, they're probably all named uh, Mar or Johnny Mar or... Uh, what else? <laughs> International Playboy.
5: Yeah. So, you're working at Rafifi and going, like, there might be something better else out there.
6: my better else out there, but my best, my best friend... At like at the time, who's now my wife, who I now have a child with, Brooke Baxter, like had, uh, I had helped her out at this place called Glass House. It was this beautiful, weird, chaotic art space, and she wanted to, you know, she wanted to do that same thing, but in a more sort of constructed, uh, lasting way that could have a relationship with the community and be an art space. And right. I was like, I, I will do anything for that. So she just she and her partner Roland uh got this warehouse i was like whatever you need me to do i helped her i helped the carpenter build uh the back of it i and i ended up living there for about two years just being the, the whatever barback sound guy
5: and the name that space was glasslands amazing
6: and uh which is actually where i met you yes i indeed. was a, i was a bartender there and you used to do the finger on the pulse shows yes we did give out colt 45 sponsored by colt 45 <laughs> Yikes! I remember when Glassland opened. Yeah,
5: it was crazy. I was like, "What is this place where people are living in the back?"
6: I, I mean, at the, at the time, I I, lo- I loved it. For me, at that point in my life, I didn't care. I had a windowless place in the back of. No, it's great. Because, I mean, like, it was. I felt like I had the biggest living room in Brooklyn. It was awesome that we had shows from time to time. It was a real like. It really felt like, an idyllic way to live in Brooklyn. Like, if you're going to live in Brooklyn, just like just having the beautiful space where you could book shows and have things, you know, just whatever you wanted. That place was so flexible and wonderful. And, and, and Brooke and Roland were just so, uh, so driven in this amazing way to, to, to make that space. And, and you know, and in the beginning it was amazing. They had, uh, after school programs for kids and just, you know, they were, they were really building a community a, center. Yeah. A community center that had shows. And then, you know, and then, and then she worked really, really hard to, to legitimize that. And I, you know, I was, I was, now it's a legitimate space. Now it's a legitimate space. She's since moved on to uh, Manhattan Inn. Sh- yep, she opened the Manhattan Inn. She sold, the, the, she sold Glasslands to the Pop Gun guys who had been booking there forever. Amazing. They wanted like, a whole office and stuff. And uh, her and Roland went to open up the Manhattan Inn, which is a beautiful cocktail yeah. bar. But so you got a taste for something more permanent than being on tour and working at Rafifi. Yeah, you know, like, I mean, I, I was on the road for like seven years, just kind of like I didn't have an apartment, you know, I I uh, I was like living on Brooke's couch before we were dating and just kind of like doing, working at spots and just... And then you slowly transitioned into the bed, right? Just, yep, couch to the bed. It's a good move. Yeah, it was, you know, it was, a, it was way more comfortable.
5: No, if you, if you write an autobiography, it should be called that. Yeah. <laughs> couch to the bed. Yeah. The Jeff and Brooke story. The Jeff and
6: Brooke story. So, what year is this? For what? That you're starting to think you want something more permanent. That was like, I mean, that was two, three years ago. You know, I, like, it, uh, I was just, I, I was ready. I was ready for something a little bit. I, I wanted, I needed to ground myself in some way. You know, like, I just, I was really, really happy uh, traveling. And, the, and that that served its purpose and and. I got to go all over the world just for playing bass, made a little bit of money, and and I got to, you know, I got to see things. I got to to live out that sort of, like, prolonged adolescent dream of traveling around the world, you know? And And at some point, you stumbled across the breakfast taco. Breakfast taco. Austin, Texas, Phil Waldorf, the owner of Phosphorescence record label, Dead Oceans, showed up with a sack of those things. What year is this? This is 2007. Okay. 2007. Do you remember where they were from? They were from... uh, why is
5: it taco hut?
6: Why is this uh, taco shack tortilla? It was way it was way way out. It was out of the city. It was this little shack. I think it was taco shack. No, I I don't know. Come back to me on that. I can't remember okay. right now. But
5: so you had it, and was it a like a revelatory moment? Did you like see? see the face of God in that breakfast taco? No,
6: I just, you know, I just realized that bread was wrong. You know, like, I just, bread was, like, what that that did for me is realize that tortilla, the the tortilla is such an evolution of the edible napkin that is bread. You know what I mean? It's like, the, uh, it never goes bad. And, like, it, it, it suited everything about me. You know, like, you could buy a pack of tortillas and have, you know, they don't go bad as fast and you can just kind of make whatever sandwich on it. You don't feel horrible. Yeah. I ate like a hundred of them. Not a hundred, but, you know, I just... A lot. I I ate the bag and then I told him, like I made him drive me out there and I wanted to see where these things were made and it was just these, you know, like four Mexican ladies just slopping eggs and bacon on it. It was so simple and so cheap and so good and, uh, you know, it never really left me. It It never, like, I thought about them all the time. I thought about them when I was in New York. I made them. For myself, for breakfast, like I had, I had ma like I had kind of mastered what actually eventually became sort of what I ser- I serve now, you know. Okay. I kind of did my own twist on it, and then when I opened the store, I was just like, you know, I, was, I, uh, I figured, you know, I just like f- that's what I started selling, and people were okay with it, you know. All right. Well, we're gonna take a quick musical break.
5: and Then we're gonna talk about. Sally goes back to tacos, the birth of Whirly Bird, and the evolution. Cool. Cool. <laughs>
1: This special program was brought to you by TechServe, New York's premier authorized Apple reseller and service provider, serving creative professionals at all levels, from individual customers to Fortune 100 companies. TechServe has built a solid reputation in their expertise in technology, sales, and service. Visit them on the web at TechServe.com or in New York City at 119 West 23rd Street. Learn more about their in-store classes and incredible insider program. Make stuff happen. Tech serve.
5: All right, welcome back to Snacky Tunes. We're here with Jeff from Whirly Bird, and we were just talking about the, the first time you had a breakfast taco and how you started making them. Right. And uh, how did that involve from you making them in your bedroom, and I'm assuming that making breakfast tacos was part of, part of your courtship with Brooke?
6: I don't... No, not really. Like, I mean, well... No, not really. I, it was based on other things. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
5: um so how, how did you how did Whirly Bird get out of your kitchen and into an actual store in well, Williamsburg?
6: Well, I mean I was I was ready I was just I had the idea to open a coffee shop and Brooke was like, Well Brooke's the kind of person who's just who will say, Alright, this, this, this and she had you know, she had opened two places before, so she had she was able to kind of give me the Answer like like things that would normally stop me from being from opening a shop. She she would be like, nope, this this this, is, how it's possible. You know what I mean? And she, and she basically just looked and we found this space where it is now, and it was, really agreeable rent. And it, uh, I mean, it's it's a, it's, it's the perfect setting for a taco shack. Yeah, it's three hundred square feet. It was, it had it had been closed for two years, and it was a a baked potato shop that looked like when I, when they gave me the key, like, when I looked at it, it looked like one day this baked potato shop had closed and, uh, just left. Wait, they just served baked potatoes? Yeah, they were baked potato. St- uh, it was called, what was it called? Potato Cafe, oddly <laughs> enough. That is an interesting concept. I can, see, I, I remember when that was open and I was like, and I walked by it a lot of times, I was like, that's a pretty novel concept, but like, I feel, you know, I mean, I don't want to talk too much about what their story was because I have no idea. All I know is that they left me three refrigerators, a decent menu board, and uh, a fridge full of beer and <laughs> a, a, like a, 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 a stereo. <laughs> Two
5: potatoes that grew into eighteen. I
6: mean, I you must have
5: found some funky spuds in there. They,
6: you know, oddly enough, like the, I mean, there, it wasn't nothing was really that gross in there, but there was a like a like a Coca Cola fridge full of beer, which I used uh, constructively. Uh, and they had a stack full of R. Kelly CDs, on the, on the which which was sort of like the soundtrack to building the place, taking it apart and building it. That's amazing. Yeah. Were they
5: bootlegs or like, like no what? no
6: actual CD like like there was this just the spin you know how like they, they have yeah. CDRs and people like yeah. that becomes people's CD holders. There was just like just pretty much the catalog from ninety seven to two thousand three of radio R and B on there, and that was sort that of... It the... just
5: seems so specific to be eating only loaded baked potatoes listening to R. Kelly. I
6: can't... Ima- I mean, I can imagine the party that that is. So, really. what year did you open? I opened December 3rd, 2011. Two years ago.
5: And to, uh... Well, congratulations. Thank you. And
6: to pretty good reviews right out the gate. Dude, right out of the gate. Um, I, uh... I think that the idea... I think... Be- because of opening a like a coffee shop that had breakfast tacos i i knew you know it's one of those ideas you have you're like i know this is a good idea because it doesn't exist in any major way in new york and i didn't want it like you know and i wanted to open a coffee shop but i like i really wanted to bring something new to the table and that it just it felt it felt right and when i did and i was and i was right because people got really excited about it and i had like a bunch of great write-ups in the beginning and All my friends were excited, I was excited, like, people traveling from Texas, any band that had ever been to Texas was pretty stoked about it, you know, and, and not, not only that, like, I didn't, you know, I didn't really just ape an Austin, Texas taco, I sort of made my own version, my own version of it.
5: Let's talk about that. So, what's the name of it, how did it come to be, why did you do that
6: specific taco? Uh, I just called it, I, uh. The like, I basically just wanted my idea. I basically just wanted to have scrambled eggs with cheese, and I wanted to involve chorizo, which is my favorite style of meat mm-hmm. on the planet, even more than bacon. Uh, and that's all I wanted to sell. And and then I, my, my friend Francisco came in early on, and he was like, he's like, sure, let's do this, and uh, he sort of put the chorizo place the chorizo in sort of like almost like a like a pepper red, red and green pepper poblano tomato sauce almost like a ragu almost like yeah. that cuz he you know that was his style of cooking and i was like this is amazing and then i i wanted to like blacken make crispy potatoes on there but it kept smoking out the restaurant cuz there's not like there's not amazing ventilation in there and i was trying to cook with without I was trying to cook within the limitations so that you don't have to buy a hood yeah so basically you know so so you know you can't really smoke out the place uh, so and when I cooked the potato when I was like blackening the potatoes it would smoke the place out so I just uh, put crushed up potato chips because I wanted the, I wanted a little bit of crunch on there and it just sort of it works became I just I, I literally just said go with we just said go with it and kind of have tweaked it since then and perfected it uh
5: that's great, and you wrote, but you do rotate in every once in a while as Mother Taco. Oh yeah,
6: I, we we always have a, we always have like a we always have a lunch taco, and uh, and you know we try we try we try to experiment, but like I think what's very attractive about the place is that it's very very simple. That you're not met with a lot of choices. You're just kind of like okay, this is this and this is that, and if you know if that's what you want, then it's there for you.
5: I feel like that's a new trend with restaurants where it's just. A couple of items just done all very well. It's not like a giant, you know, two, three
6: dozen menu items. I think that's I think that's the only... I think that uh, something that, uh, on that scale, I think that's the only way to not drive yourself insane. If you have a 300 square foot restaurant and you're trying to do 20, 30 different items with 1,000 variations, it's just going to be... You're not going to have an enjoyable time running a restaurant, and you're going to have a lot of waste... And when you're putting, doing a place that small, you really are—you you, you really are like micromanaging to sort of, uh, you know, maximize, you know, profits and make it sustainable. Um, now, one of the things that you guys do is you also do this thing where you featured record labels. Can you talk about that? Yeah, i i, I wanted I wanted to do that from the beginning because i i music music is and always has been my life and i and i wanted to uh you know and i wanted to have a record player in there from the get go that was essential to me and uh i wanted to i wanted to show love to to record labels that were to smaller record labels uh at first just in brooklyn that uh we're just keeping physical media alive because i i think it's just it's such a beautiful artifact to keep doing and it totally doesn't make sense and it it neat, but it's the best way to listen to music. Still, you know.
5: Yeah. Um, what labels have you featured?
6: Uh, I've had all, all of our, it's expanded beyond Brooklyn, but I started with Partisan Records, which is based out of Brooklyn, and they they had just put out a Virgin Forest record, and uh, so I wanted to make them part of the conversation. And then I did this amazing uh, record label that uh, called No Quarter. That does a lot of weird stuff. And then since then I've had like uh, New West, French Kiss. Uh, Everything, you know, like... Every, oh, uh, Captured Tracks. And, uh, you know, and then, and then, I don't know, recently Columbia Legacy was just like, would you pick 15 records from our catalog? I was like, yeah, sure, whatever, you know. Oh. I wanted to be like a I, I didn't want to be a snob, but... No. Uh, Columbia's got a great history. They do, and they, they and they had uh, they. Uh, I really wanted a copy of Graceland, and I wanted that new Bob Dylan self portrait box set. And they were like, "Yeah, here you go." I was like, "Great, great." It's also, you know, I mean, so, you know, selfishly, it, it's a great way to get a bunch of free records every month to listen to and share with people, and you know, it makes the conversation mostly about music, which is.
5: I mean, fifty-one percent of why we do the show is free pizza every week.
6: Yeah, that's.
5: Maybe 52. You
6: gotta make it worth it for yourself in this life. You know, so,
5: uh, what's coming up for Whirly Bird? Menu expansion? What's 2004 look
6: like? 2014, I'm gonna start doing. I want to start doing delivery. Uh. I just had a good experience with your office where you work, where I mm-hmm. just deliver. I delivered 250 tacos. So, I. Like, they were
5: delicious. Everyone thanks you. Yeah.
6: It was, a. Uh, so I kind of want to just do, I want to just do via seamless, I just want to do like clumps of five or ten tacos and, you know, be able to deliver them to offices because it's, you know, I, I think that it's really good for morale if you, you start your day with a breakfast taco. Oh,
5: my God. It's uh, better than morale. Yeah. So it's like the day starts on the highest of notes. Yeah.
6: I mean, you know, it doesn't matter how bad your day gets, it started out all right, you know?
5: Yeah. And uh, but before I forget, what coffee do you serve there?
6: I, I... I spent seven years working working always at Oslo and in my opinion in my humble opinion it's still it's still the best coffee and most consistently well roasted coffee and they they keep it simple which I like you know what I mean they they roast a few different things a few different profiles you know you don't you don't you don't you don't really have to talk about it like wine it's just this really really good style of coffee that I really respect you know amazing well, I want to thank you so much. No problem.
5: Where can people go? Is there an Instagram, Twitter?
6: website? Uh, uh, Twitter and Instagram is Whirlybird NY. Uh, I'm I'm extremely glib and clever on Twitter, and my you know my Instagram's just beautiful. There's I had a baby, so there's like baby pictures in there sometimes too. But what what nothing wrong with that?
5: No, nothing wrong at all. Um, it's a good day for breakfast tacos. Yeah, pretty good vibe here in the morning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah whirly's open because it's not our first rodeo amateurs
6: okay see what i'm saying pretty glib yeah pretty good pretty good was, i mean you know it's, it's i feel like i feel like i've lost you know i've lost some edge i got to get it back it's winter time you know
5: yeah and uh all right well cool all right well i also want to thank you for letting adrian take off from work today
6: oh yeah that's fine.
5: to come play after this we're going to do another musical break
2: What do you always want? What do you cannot have? You push me away just to beg.
5: I mean, I know they keep putting out records, but their first one's really the best. They have that youth where I think probably half the people didn't really know how to play the instruments. The lead guy was just like, just keep pressing these three buttons. Yeah. Um, well, Adrian, welcome to Snacky Tunes. Thank you. Um, I know we're not going to go into it, but <laughs> my vote is that you don't take down your story bio section. Oh, yeah. Because yep. it's just... It's thorough. R- <laughs> it's thorough. How long did it take you to write it?
7: Oh, I don't know. Uh, it was, I guess it was an a, an afternoon.
5: All right. All we really need to know is that you started playing as a child, and your father taught you how to play music.
7: hmm
5: And there's been a long list of inspirations. Yes. Um, we'll it up like this. What from your childhood, teenage years still resonates today with you as a musician and a performer?
7: Well, I'm sure a lot, even just on a subconscious level. Um because I was taking in so much when I was a kid, um, I mean I started playing when I was six and um, and had a lot of I got to work with a lot of um, older musicians who had been doing it for a long time and um, my experiences were I, I just kind of look at it like my school like yeah. that was that was school for me go um recording and and I recorded a couple records before I was 16, and that was amazing. I would never take that back. Um, And, yeah, I learned a lot. And and a lot of it, I'm sure, is why I'm where I am now. Which is? Mm, I guess I can't pinpoint it exactly, but even just... um, I guess just feeling comfortable having having such a a long relationship with music and feeling um, like... You know, my guitar is, like, the closest thing to me. Um, I don't know, I may not feel that way if I had just started playing, but since I've been playing forever, um, I mean, for as long as I can remember, I, um, I have a special relationship with it.
5: How long have you had that guitar?
7: This one I've had since I was 14.
5: Wow, it's in good shape.
7: Yeah, I try not to be too rough on it. Although lately uh recently it took a tumble. Oh, what it happened? F- it was the first time um I was I was just getting I was just depositing a paycheck and I stepped outside of the bank and uh <clears throat> I had it in a in a soft case, a travel case, and yeah. I knew when I was taking that case out, I knew that it wasn't very well padded and I was a little bit worried about it, but I didn't have my case I was, I was using a friend's case, <clears throat> and um, the strap came off, and it just fell st- just ver- vertically, just straight down on the bottom of the body, Oof. and the <clears throat> cracked the wood, split the wood up the top, up the face of the guitar, and then up the back, too. Yeah, so um, I just started crying so hard. Oh. It was awful. I thought it was, yeah, because I opened up the case. I was like, oh, shit, and, and I... Um, yeah, it was pretty it was a pretty intense moment. I felt like my baby had just fallen. But um But it looks good now. But now, yeah, actually. Yeah.
5: You got it all fixed up?
7: I got it fixed up. Nice. Got a good deal on it.
5: Alright. Well, uh do you wanna play us a song on your fixed up guitar? Sure. Uh what are you gonna play for us first?
7: Um this one's new. It doesn't have a title yet.
5: Alright. see you. Awesome. Really nice. Really pretty.
7: Thank you. Yeah.
5: Mm -hmm. Uh, So let's talk about the album, which you are considering, despite having previous albums, this is your first album, Hours Were the Birds. Mm -hmm. Uh, Love the title. Thank you. Where did that come from? Uh,
7: Time Flies.
5: Time Flies? Mm -hmm. Uh, Nice. (laughs) It's a pun? Kind of. I love it even more. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, talk to me about the uh, process of, of, putting out your first album, and you know, when did you start writing songs for it, or is this a, you know, are these songs from your entire life that got put into your first album? Uh,
7: these are songs that I've been working on for maybe, I guess the earliest one on there is from when I was about 18, seven, or seventeen, which is disappear. Okay. And, and then um, there's another track on there, Lighthouse, from when I was eighteen, and um, and then. It's basically I just chose these songs from a bunch of songs that I've written over the last 4 years.
5: Um how do you feel about it? Like is it like having your first child?
7: It yeah, kind of well I don't know <laughs> cuz I've never had a child, but I I think um yeah, it's definitely vulnerable.
5: Yeah. I guess that's more, you know, not in the birthway but just like yeah. putting something out there that you created and sort of you're protective about it, but it's got a life of its own. Yeah. Yeah.
7: Um Yeah, they're all really special to me. Um and it's always kind of it can be kind of scary putting something out there that's that close to you, but um it's cool too to to finally just let them go and let other people hear them.
5: Um. So when you were writing the album, we always like to ask, uh, what was the uh, food and drink situation in the studio and the inspiration of sustenance uh, <laughs> from like, you know, a dietary point of view.
7: What was I eating while I was recording it? Yeah,
5: and drinking and you having know, it in the studio.
7: I, I, it's funny when I recorded these, I was alone the whole time. Really, I mean, no, it was me and then Rob Osterlin, the the recording engineer. Okay, but um, but uh, I actually made this sandwich that sounds disgusting, but I still think about it. It's um, spread—I don't remember what kind it was. It's the antithesis of the tortilla. I'm sorry, Jeff. But um, it uh, yeah, it had bread and then miso on it like miso paste yes okay it's gonna get really weird Are you oh, ready? <laughs> yeah i'm ready peanut butter
5: i'm with you so far banana uh, still with yeah
7: an avocado
5: <laughs>
6: okay
7: that's where i might lose some people
5: uh, oh man it just, sounds just, really weird
6: just sounds really mushy it
5: was, yeah it i was, was gonna mushy, say, i was, was gonna fun. say that's i got to I, I'm less weirded out by the flavors, more of, like, a texture thing.
6: Yeah, it's just...
5: Did you toast the bread?
7: I think so. Yeah.
5: Okay. All
6: right, so there's some crunch there.
5: Yeah. Is that going to... Do you see that making it on the Bird menu anytime <laughs> soon?
6: Uh, I, I mean... <laughs> no.
5: I mean, I'm, I'll put it this way. Miso, peanut butter, banana. Uh-huh.
6: I said that miso... miso I guess, I don't know. Miso I mean,
7: just adds a little bit of salt. Yeah. You know? You don't no, put no, no. tons of miso. No,
5: I'm, I'm with you on that. But
7: banana and avocado, I will say that's weird. That's kind of odd.
5: What do you like about that flavor combo? Well,
7: I was thinking, I was wanting too many, I was craving too many things at once. Like, I really, have you ever had a smoothie with avocado in it? Yeah. <clears throat> that can be really good. And I was kind of wanting that, but I also wanted a sandwich.
5: Did you make this sandwich multiple times?
7: No. I've oh, only okay. ever made it the once, the one time.
5: And how did you feel about it?
7: Well, it stuck in my memory.
5: Yeah, I, I don't think that's a flavor you would forget.
7: Um, I I really enjoyed it, and I think I'll make it again someday. And I had it with a, I I had a beer with it, a stout. Okay. That I was really just, proud of that snack. I that's just, just
5: a lot of food thickness.
7: Yeah, well, I like thick food.
6: Okay. Okay. I think I think some of the some of the most beautiful music can be made when you're just on the verge. On the verge of throwing up you know what I mean? that's, <laughs> yeah, that's when you can be truly honest with yourself and with others,
7: I think this was towards the end of the day, and I was really tired. I felt empty
5: that that sounds like a very uh tired made meal
7: also yeah. I didn't have that many groceries left. it was kind of just what yeah. was left, and I put them all together that also
5: sounds like a <clears> throat> end throat> yeah. of the grocery,
6: yeah so
7: you know what that was a that was a lie. I had my choice of so many different oh
5: groceries. I just, man.
7: That's I just wanted was, that. It comment. was first thing in the
5: morning, and I had just got in the grocery store. <laughs> um, do you remember uh, what song you were recording around that time?
7: Um, after uh, I believe that was the um, banana, banana, avocado, miso song that I. Uh,
5: that's yeah, it's burning up the charts <clears> throat> in throat> yeah. uh, the Philippines, I think. <clears throat> yeah. Um, um, the, the dance that goes with it is also very amazing.
6: Yep, yeah. nauseating.
7: Um, I think I. You know, there's no way I can remember what songs I was working on that day, but I could play something from from around that time. Okay.
5: Let's hear a song from that time. What are you thinking?
7: Uh, I'll play the title track of that album. Okay. Okay. So this is called Hours of the Birds. I'll see if I can remember how to play it <laughs>
3: okay.
4: I' got something here it's a chance I'll make my changes as I go And the city lights dance to the stars. I have metal cans of reasons why the seasons leave their scars And thin as cinnamon and tarnish like these metal cars that drive along To drinking up my pain, I am hanging by the edges of my name, but I'm warm, so comfortable, forgetting about the storm. I love Minnesota, Michigan, Colorado, too, Atlanta, Montana, Nebraska, and the moon. I've been a traveler inside of the womb Never had a place with a living room You said a house is a tomb
5: a good title track thank you would you write a title track or when you name a song or an album after a song how does that process go do you write the song and then go like, oh, I think this song represents the album so I'm going to name the album after it or, or what's the thought behind it
7: I really had no um, finding a name for the album was something that came kind of last and it was after I had all the songs together um and i just i just felt like hours were the birds i mean it wasn't it wasn't the plan to kn- to to name it after one of the songs but um i just felt like that ca- that kind of captured the spirit of the record in general because it came from a time when i was it's kind of a lot of stuff is about growing up and just that feeling um and i felt like it was appropriate and i just liked the the way it sounded and um, kind of wanted to just do the obvious thing I just kind of wanted to go for it and not try to make it any more mysterious just name it and have the first song be be that it's not necessarily the um, the peak of the album or anything or um, I don't know yeah it's just
5: it just, is. It just is
7: yeah I just liked it
5: sometimes you just gotta go after things that you like
6: yeah yeah. No mystery. No mystery. Too much mystery. Too much mystery? There's too much mystery. Let's keep it simple. Yeah. You know,
5: I, I have to say that I, s- I feel sometimes in this era, in this area, there's sometimes like sh- things are
6: shrouded mystery or. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're living in a post mystery world and I think she's kind of leading the way, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's post mystery. Pomai? Pomai. Pomai, yeah. Or Pomi? Pomis. <laughs> Pomis. Pomis. Pomis.
5: Um, so what's next? What do you got coming up? Um, what's on the, the dockets?
7: Well, I'm going to do a tour in, in May. And is I'm your boss going to let you
5: uh, get off
7: work? Um, I hope so, but I don't know. Maybe I won't talk too much about that right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
6: Well, we can work it out. I mean, it, you know, it's a perfect time to work out a schedule. No, it's yeah, <laughs> we got time, in the, right? Yeah, Joe, we got time in the air for them to Death work in the schedule. has always
7: been really flexible about uh, music stuff. Yeah,
6: I, I mean, it's... It is, I mean, I've worked at jobs, as long as, the people who work for me, like, do, if they do a good job, they can come and go and I'll bend over backwards for it, you know, because, like, I've, I've, I always, when I worked at places, I just did a really, really good job and then I went on tour and then when I came back, they gave me, they gave me the job back because I did as good or better a job than anybody else they could find, so, you know, if the job, I never, I also never expected that, that job to be back for me, so I had a lot of jobs, but... I try to be flexible, you know, as much as much as I can. Yeah, I mean, you gotta be. There's no point, I mean, you're gonna work at my coffee shop for the rest of your life, you know? You I mean, are. I mean, yeah, I am, but that <laughs> I, that's my choice, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you're gonna go on tour.
7: Jeff just makes it clear that as long as we do a Skype session where I'm showing him me practicing making an egg... Every night that I'm on tour, like, I just have to be practicing and perfecting, further perfecting the Whirlyberry Breakfast Taco and send him Evan.
6: (laughs) How about your breakfast taco making skills? She's actually really, really good. She came right, like, she came in and just, like, I just showed her one time and she just, she got it. She even got, like, the nuances of the key is how you scramble the egg and she mastered it, you know? What's the key? Putting, scrambling the egg, putting it on a cold, like, a little bit of oil. In a cold pan, and then just moving it around so that it's like right between being underdone and overdone, and the mm-hmm. egg is still shiny, and it has this like almost cheese. You make curds. You yeah. sort of steam it. Yeah. That's how I do my eggs. It's the it's, in my opinion, it's the only way. Like it's the only way. That's how you scramble it. You egg. gotta make you you make a big old curd. Yep.
7: You don't want it to be dry.
6: No, I don't like
5: people who like when you lay, when you see the pan afterward. It's all burnt and your eggs all brown and things like that. Like, some people do scrambled eggs on a really high heat. Yeah. Make them, you know, they scramble in a minute. I don't get that.
6: I don't know. I think it's like, I don't know I don't know why that was ever cool. Maybe they just, you know, I think those people have just never had eggs the right way. You know what I mean?
5: Maybe they're impatient. I don't know. I feel like you just gotta wait. You just gotta wait for your eggs to scramble.
7: Whatever yeah. floats your boat, though. If, yeah. you, if you like that, if you like that burnt taste. <sighs>
5: I don't know. I really feel that uh, there's a right way and a wrong way to make Strambo eggs. Yeah. I think that there's well, there's one yeah, there's one <laughs> one way to do it. Um so you're gonna go to on tour in May.
7: Yeah, um,
6: You're playing a show soon, right?
7: hmm I'm playing on uh, on the fifteenth, which is this Wednesday. Where are you playing? I believe it's this Wednesday. Yeah, at Rockwood Music Hall, stage oh, two. Nice. In uh, Lower East Side.
5: Nice. I've yet to go there. I heard it's nice, though. Yeah. Oh, it's a cool place. It'll be fun. Um,
7: and I'm also... Well, no, that doesn't... I'm playing in Boston soon, too, but...
5: Be in town. Go to Ana's Taqueria. They have great burritos there. So good. Have you had those? Yeah, it's the best. That
6: might be my favorite. I feel I feel like every city I've been in, I just... I, I, I seek out the Mexican food.
5: I think it's partially because New York's
6: Mexican food overall is really lacking. I think so. I mean, you you can find it. You can know if you know where to find it. You can find it. There's two places that are gone from the Williamsburg area that I I lament every day. Matamoros grocery store in the back of it between oh, North yeah. 6 and North yeah, 7. Yeah, but
5: Matamoros has been gone for.
6: I know that. I mean, I still lament it. And like this, my secret, I it was was a Lavalita Bakery on Grand and Bedford, the one with the dirty old cakes in it. Oh yeah. Two dollars. Got you a taco that was over stuffed that you
5: wait. They made tacos there. They made
6: ta- dude. They, they they closed. It's gone. It's too late now. But they made chorizo tacos that you get one for two dollars and it was over stuffed. They give you two tortillas, so you lift up one tortilla and eat over the first tortilla, and the stuff that would fall out of the first taco was your second taco and it cost two dollars. And dude, I lived I didn't, on that. I didn't even know they had tacos. I just ignored it. I always try. I never told anybody about it because I wanted it to be my secret. And now it's gone. And now I'm sad about it.
7: What? do it do what do that no <laughs> you
6: can I add can't. that no
7: that's
5: there have you been to mexico 2000 up on grand and hooper
6: that's where i get my chorizo oh yeah that's it's the that's 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 the place that's still kind of holding the torch that had, place that had, place is great yeah i had to learn spanish because i wanted to to order because i wanted to order my chorizo from them and they will they make their own chorizo they make their own chorizo and it's unbelievable it is. That
5: place is. I gotta go back there.
6: It's slamming. It's slamming. Um. All
5: right. So, Adrian, what last song do you have for us?
7: Um, I could play a newer one, or I could do one off of the record.
5: Whatever you want.
7: All right. I'll do this. This one.
5: But wait. Before we go, how do people find you online? What's the nuts and bolts?
7: Um. Well, my. You can get my record at adrianlanker.bandcamp.com. Okay. Um. or you can I have a Facebook page as well just Adrian Linker or uh, um, my website Adrian.com
5: just Adrian.com
7: Adrian or Adrian Linker either will take you there
5: that's amazing though you got just your first name com yeah, yeah.
7: my dad's a web designer and he got it for me when I was like 12 <laughs>
5: <laughs> back he was on top of it back. there you go Teaching how to play music and buy new websites. Well, guys, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for being our first show of the year. <clears throat> awesome.
6: Again, yeah. Happy New Year. Last day to say it. Yep. Happy New Year, everybody. Don't try and say it to me tomorrow.
5: No. Uh, shout out to everybody. Shout out to Greg in LA. Greg. We're, and then uh, we have our first Bar Food Blowout coming up on uh, February 11th at Park Slope with the uh, Maharlika and Jipney people. Amazing. Rackle Dads will be DJing. Awesome. Yeah.
6: I'll, I'll, I'll try and come out. Yeah Can I bring my, my kid? Yeah Awesome
5: Bar friendly Alright here we go Love Song Snacky Tunes Thank, Thank you. you so much We'll see you next week Thanks. Thanks
4: New York City gripped me Like a big old machine and sometimes i forgot about the way the wind blows in and out of the cottonwood trees and oh it's easy to lose your mind i might have lost mine if i hadn't lowest lows and highest highs the meanest noise and the lullabies the poison and the compromise the unspoken scream and oh it's so hard to find your place I never found mine if I hadn't seen your face and you can be To Keaton I'll be blessed And dearie we can see the world so clearly You'll color the gray way I will sing you songs all day The decay will just turn to bloom As we look at the good old fashioned moon cities split